The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, powered by RageWorks. This is episode 370, broadcasting live Thursday, September 29th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call in number 347-324-3541. Again, that call in number 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, a couple of things to get you acquainted with the show. First off... We are a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. On Wednesday nights, we cover MMA and wrestling, and Thursday, we switch gears and jump into some gaming and entertainment stuff with a little bit of tech sometimes sprinkled in. You can watch, listen, and chat by heading over to mtrlive.com. You have a video feed there, as well as a high-quality audio feed, which is also simulcast via Mixler on the Mixler app, which you can download for iOS or Android. M-I-X-L-R is the way it's spelled. And you can punch in My Take Radio or Black is the New Black, and you can listen to live shows right on your mobile device. In addition to that, the video is simulcast through Restream, Vaughn Live, Stream Up, Daily Motion, YouTube Live, and a couple of other providers as well. Uh, Of course, the archive of this video will be available within 24 to 48 hours on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. All right. Before we get into tonight's topics, a couple of the housekeeping things I wanted to get out of the way. Uh, First off, that last night we were talking about on air that there's going to be a couple of scheduling changes for the month of October between the Photo Plus Expo that we're going to be covering later on in the month as well as a couple of other events. So things are definitely going to be slightly different. So there will be obviously shows in October, but there will be a a bit of a varied schedule from week to week, depending on what kind of stuff we're working on. Nonetheless, uh, something that I always want to make you guys aware of, and of course we do share any broadcast updates on RageWorks.net as usual, but nonetheless, it is worth knowing in advance. In addition, I know a lot of you guys have been asking about uh, streaming to Facebook Live. We have been doing some testing. It hasn't been running smoothly. That's one of the reasons why I haven't pulled the trigger on it. Uh, it took a while for us to get you know what we do now running smoothly to go and add another layer into the mix without 
you know, adequate testing and a couple of different uh, types of test broadcasts, it's it's a risky thing that we just don't want to do just yet. We're going to continue testing. I know that, you know, we're able right now to pretty much stream video games to Facebook, whether it's to my personal Facebook page or to the RageWorks brand page or even the group page. There is a way to do it. And I've kind of done some testing behind the scenes you know, uploading and deleting and uploading and deleting, and it runs pretty smooth, but still a couple of hiccups that I personally am not a fan of. But nonetheless, I know some of you guys have been asking, and that is where we are with that. Also, we're going to be working on getting some more guests for the month of October. We actually have a MTR behind the mic and a beyond the mic scheduled for later on in the week. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that there's definitely... Uh, a couple of good things there. I think that above all, for me at least, we, you know, we're working on kind of having a varied slate. And when I say that, I say it because we are more focused now more than ever on ensuring that it's not just all me talking for, for three hours. Don't get me wrong. I love doing that. But I also feel that there needs to be, you know, a, a different variety of guests. It's just a matter of booking and trying to do different things. But we're definitely going to be seeing you're going to be seeing more guests uh, very, very, very soon. But I will say this, the MTR beyond the mic that we are recording next week, I'm actually going to go on location to record that and it should be up later on in the week. And I think it's going to be a, a very cool interview. I'm not going to give away too much, but definitely look for it on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course on RageWorks.net in a couple of days. Uh, Last but not least, did want to mention an update, which I shared yesterday as well, regarding Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio still in progress. Uh, More, It's looking more and more likely, like we'll probably hit Google Play first before some of the other ones, but um, we'll see what the deal is with that. In any case, as always, we'll make formal announcements as those outlets become available to us. All right. So outside of that housekeeping, what do we have on deck for tonight? Well, a couple of things on the gaming side. Things are a little light, nothing too crazy, but there are a couple of newsworthy items I did want to get into. Uh, On the entertainment side, I want to talk about the secondary market that's been created now that celebrities are becoming more and more involved in Comic-Con and how it's becoming a revenue stream for celebrities. I want to get into that. I want to get into the entertainment news of the week, including uh, a very interesting statistic for Suicide Squad, which um, recently dethroned a Marvel film. We're going to get into that. And as always, we will take your calls 347-324-3541-347-324-3541. If you don't want to do the call in, you can always interact on our chat room, mtrlive.com. You can go there. And the chat room is open and you'll be able to do stuff there as well. With that said, let's uh, jump into some video games, shall we? All right. So first thing I want to open up with is obviously October is right around the corner. And with it come a brand new assortment of free titles for PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold. On the PlayStation Plus side, there's a lot of really good titles. Uh, Transformers Devastation, which we reviewed when it came out, is going to be the free game of the month on PlayStation 4. 
Uh, Slick, definitely give it a playthrough now that they're giving it for free. I think you might like it. Uh, Resident Evil is also going to be free on PlayStation Plus. Mad Riders is going to be free on PS3. From Dust is going to be free on PlayStation 3. Code Guardians of Rebirth is going to be free on the PlayStation 3 as well. And Actual Sunlight for the PS Vita is also going to be free for the month of October. Now, if you're an Xbox Live Gold subscriber, there are a couple of things you're going to get. You're going to get Super Mega Baseball Extra Innings, which is going to be available on Xbox One throughout the entire month of October. You're also going to get, during the middle of October, from October 16th to November 15th, you're going to get The Escapists for free. Now, if you're on Xbox 360, you're going to get I Am Alive. That's going to be available from October 1st through the 15th. And last but not least, MX versus ATV Reflex will be available on Xbox 360 from October 16th through the 31st. Now, those two games, it's weird because I've noticed that they're being mentioned for Xbox 360 and there's no additional language stating that they're going to be backwards compatible titles on Xbox One. Uh, For the last couple of months, all the games that have been released on the 360 are usually backwards compatible on Xbox One. Very few have not been, but Nonetheless, it could have just been something where they didn't bother to acknowledge it. But if you're on Xbox One and you're trying to leverage a couple of extra free games, you may want to pick up a couple of Xbox 360 titles. I was actually very excited recently that they made Guru, Mark of the Wolves, one of my favorite Fatal Fury games, now backwards compatible on Xbox One. Uh, Slick and I had been doing some testing on streaming directly from the Xbox One And we'd been experiencing some really, really terrible, terrible audio. Picture quality was stellar, but audio quality was honestly complete and utter dog shit. And doing some research, asking a couple of people, and you guys won't believe what it is. And I'm going to tell you guys, because if you're dealing with this issue, it is the craziest of things that is causing it. It is the Kinect. If you have an Xbox One with a Kinect, and you're trying to stream to Twitch and people are telling you that you're having uh, stuttering audio, then if you go and you disable your connect, your audio will be functioning perfectly on Twitch. And I know a couple of people personally that have been reaching out to me experiencing the same problem because, you know, I know a couple of people that are Xbox One owners that occasionally stream and they've said they're like, you know, I hate fucking streaming It's such bullshit because every time I try to do it, the audio sounds like shit and people don't, you know, people can't hear how what I got to say or or I sound garbled. Well, it turns out that the culprit is the connect. Now, obviously, myself and about four other people that I've tested this with have been able to resolve their issues with that. So obviously your mileage may vary. But I do have to say this. Um Always make sure your console is hardwired because as much as people swear, oh, my Wi-Fi is perfect, blah, 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 it's fantastic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, having your consoles hardwired makes a huge fucking difference. I didn't think it did, but it, you know, I, I've tested both online play and streaming both hardwired and with Wi-Fi, and yeah, sometimes you're going to get good Wi-Fi and, you know... 90 times out of 100, you might you might be fine. But, you know, that 91st time may be complete shit. I am a big, 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 big believer in hardwired connections. It's one of the things that always used to frustrate me with the Wii, that you had to buy a uh, USB to 
uh, Ethernet adapter to plug the Wii into a you know a hardwired connection. Not a big deal, but definitely an annoyance for me. What I ended up doing to resolve that, I ended up buying a gigabit Ethernet switch, and I run that through my router, and I have all my consoles, both new ones and previous generation, you know, 360 PS3 plugged in for that. But I know a lot of people have been kind of playing their position with Wi-Fi. Oh, my Wi-Fi is good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, somebody decides that they want to watch Netflix or stream some music and your connection goes down the toilet. So please, heart, you know, if, if you're going through and you're troubleshooting any sort of weird, funky issues with your streams and you're streaming directly from the console, First of all, make sure you're hardwired. If you're on the Xbox One and you're dealing with audio, with garbled audio or weird sound issues, disable your connect. <clears throat> I can't believe how quickly and how and how immediate the the results were as soon as I unchecked the connect. And um, you know, it's it's one of those things. And even Slick just said it in the chat. If you game against people and or stream Ethernet, like I said. Cannot stress it enough. If you guys want to save a couple of bucks on Ethernet cables and gigabit switches, uh, first of all, for a gigabit switch, definitely check your local micro center. If you have a micro center in your area, check it out. I got a really good deal on mine with uh, it was five five in, uh, you know, five ports for uh, I believe it was nineteen ninety nine. I know a couple of times they put the eight port connectors on sale for you know twenty five to thirty bucks, and if you're somebody that wants to plug in more than just your consoles, obviously, you know, hardwired TVs, hardwired Blu-ray players, etc. then you may want to go with that, but definitely pick up an Ethernet switch. And while you're at it, if you want to save money on some cables, uh, first first place I got to recommend is Monoprice, which is tremendous. Um, you know, my entire home theater setup is wired with Cat6, and the bulk of the wires I bought from Monoprice, and I paid nothing, you know, two bucks, three bucks, for, for cables that may cost you 20 to $30. But if you do have a micro center in your area, you could go in there and save a couple of dollars on cables. Obviously not on the same level as you would save with Monoprice or even Amazon to an extreme, but Monoprice definitely head and shoulders above because like I said, you can get some really good deals on Ethernet cables. They have them in different colors, which is one of the things I ended up doing. All my Xbox consoles are plugged in with green cables, all my Sony consoles are plugged in with blue cables. That way, if I got to make any any changes, any adjustments, that's how it's run. My Wii U is hardwired, and that is running with a gray cable. And that's the easiest way, like I said, for me, because wiring is a, is a huge pain in the ass for so many of us. And, you know, little things like that can just make your lives easier. So, again, if you're streaming Xbox One and you're having sound issues, disable your connect and real quick to recap free games for the month of october once again ps plus you're getting resident evil transformers devastation mad riders for the ps3 from dust for the ps3 uh code realize guardians of rebirth for the ps3 and if you are on the vita you're getting actual sunlight that is the name of the game uh on the xbox live gold side you're getting super mega baseball extra innings for the entire month of october on xbox one you're getting The Escapist on Xbox One from the 16th to November 15th. I Am Alive is going to be on the 360 from the 1st through the 15th. And MX versus ATV Reflex. 
per the 360 from October 16th through the 31st. So definitely, um, if you're a subscriber to either one of those services, you're going to get some cool shit in October. So every week we always talk about a game that's always on deck that is going to get reboot, refreshed, and polished up for... um, you know, grabbing everyone's residual dollars and cents. And occasionally we've talked about games that they look good, they do a great job, they're worth picking up if you never picked them up initially. You know, games like the Uncharted Collection, uh, the Darksiders games, even the remastered Deadpool game, which was surprisingly well done. Um, According to uh, the Brazil Classifications Board, it looks like Bulletstorm is going to be getting a reboot uh, allegedly the Bulletstorm full clip edition is going to be available in 2017 for the PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. Um, you know, Polygon originally came across assets for that possible remaster during E3 2016. And, um, you know, with all the, all, you know, Microsoft nor the original developer have acknowledged that the remaster is in the works, but, the fact that it's showing up on rating systems and Polygon ended up finding it during some of their, you know, during E3 lends a lot of, you know, credibility to the to the rumor that Bulletstorm is going to get relaunched. Now, if you guys don't remember, Bulletstorm dropped on PS3, PC, and Xbox 360, and, you know, it was met with pretty positive reviews. Epic Games, of course, acquired People Can Fly, and um, the studio ended up regaining its independence three years later. Uh, what ended up happening was People Can Fly after that took back the rights from the Bulletstorm franchise and um, they were working on an undisclosed project. So if you're a fan of Bulletstorm or you didn't get a chance to play it before, you may get a brand new opportunity to do so thanks to a potential reboot on the horizon in 2017. Now, of course, you know what I'm going to talk about next. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge they're not you know, they, 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 they're trying to enjoy it much like me one day at a time, but Christmas, the holidays, the Christmas creep is coming up quicker than most of us are comfortable acknowledging me personally. I was in a store recently and, um, they were putting out Christmas stuff and I, I have weird, I have a weird relationship with the holidays. Um, you know, when my mom was alive, we used to do a bunch of the cool holiday shit And I mean all of the holiday shit, meaning, you know, decorate for Halloween. Uh, My mom would decorate for Thanksgiving. I would cook, which I still do. Um, Christmas time, if you're Hispanic, you probably celebrate Christmas Eve and maybe even Christmas Day. Uh, If you're, you know, if you're Italian, you know that Christmas Day is a is a big day in your house. So for me personally, that's that's pretty much how the holidays were. We, you know, we. We did everything for Halloween. We did cool shit for Thanksgiving. We did cool shit for Christmas Eve. Christmas Day was pretty by the book, you know, probably cooking leftovers and opening our gifts and New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, whatever, you know. And, you know, after my mom passed, I kind of just disconnected from reality. I'm not going to lie to you guys. And, um, you know, I started doing less and less and less of that shit. But one thing I always, always, always enjoyed is Halloween, not because of the dressing up, even though I've done some really cool costumes when I used to work in a bigger office. Uh, you know, we did a lot of cool shit for Halloween, but because I like watching horror movies, I like everything that goes with Halloween. 
the trick or treating and all that shit, you know, I don't have kids. Um, when my sisters were younger, I used to take them out, you know, and we used to do stuff like that. And I used to send stuff to their, to their school and their programs. But now it's, you know, it's just another fucking day. But I do love, I do love me some Halloween. No joke. And, um, love Thanksgiving. You know, I cook, uh, pretty much a meal, even though there's, you know, six people in my house, I cook for 10 or 12 people. Number one, cause I eat a fucking shitload of food, you know, but, um, you know, I like, I like everything in, in the natural order, the natural progression. I'm not a fan of skipping holidays. You know, I don't like, I don't like Christmas shit out for Halloween. I don't like Halloween shit out during the summer. I don't like fucking Valentine's day shit out, you know, December 28th and shit. I'm not a fan of that. I like everything in order. I understand, you know, a lot of this stuff is hallmark holidays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But me personally, I like, I like to celebrate each of them accordingly. So this is all leading to the announcement. And this is fucking crazy that Activision is going to put out a guitar hero live bundle for this holiday season. Mind you, as I said, it is not even October 1st. In any case, uh, the Supreme Party Edition that they're going to be putting out is going to run you 80 bucks. It's going to come with two of the game's signature guitar controllers, and it's going to be available for PS4 and Xbox One. If you're looking to purchase it, and you're just looking to purchase it on other platforms, you'll be able to do that on October 7th. But, you know, the Guitar Hero Live track list has grown well over 500 songs, and a lot of them are available in Guitar Hero TV mode, but the crazy thing is that this new Supreme Party Edition is going to obviously give you access to a lot more stuff. Plus, you get the two guitar controllers. Um, the console, the, you know, the console game itself is going to be able be available on October seventh. But this new bundle, if you want to hold out, you're going to want to pick it up for the holiday season. So. You know, Guitar Hero Live, it's one of those things. I, I still have a lot of my Guitar Hero stuff. I still have my DJ Hero stuff, which Slick and I, you know, we, we've always talked about DJ Hero, and he can he can attest to being on the same fence as I was. Ah, we're not going to get sucked into this music game shit. And we ended up both picking up DJ Hero, having a fucking blast with it. I still play it occasionally. Um, but the thing is, it's one of those things where unless you're super invested or you're playing it with a group of people, it loses its luster quickly. Now, Guitar Hero Live has obviously developed quite a niche following. Uh, Danny from Royal Flush Magazine is in there and, you know, she's in the chat room and, you know, she's she's always loved stuff like that. I remember she was she's also a big rock band fan. And again, it's one of those things where if you have the people and you have the, the time and the energy, those are great games to play. And honestly, for 80 bucks, you're getting two guitar controllers plus the game. I got to say, it's a pretty good fucking deal for 80 bucks. Like I said, the guitar controllers alone are a couple of bucks. And, you know, it, it's it's a pretty decent savings to, to pick that up. So, again, if you're on the fence about Guitar Hero or you're thinking about maybe picking it up, hold out, get the bundle. Or if you want to give it, I think it would make a great gift for the holiday season. And honestly... Like I said, as much as I don't want to talk about the holidays, I kind of started I started sketching out what our holiday gift guide is going to be. And this bundle is definitely on that list. So once again, um, October 7th, Guitar Hero Supreme Party Edition and the bundle 
will probably be out at the same time or shortly after. That bundle will be available for PS4 and Xbox One. The next bit of news, once again, is one of those things where the consoles continue to be pushed as replacements for your cable set-top boxes. And, of course, they're making the the um, the desire to cut the cord easier and easier. So, Fox Sports Go is going to be the newest app that is going to be available on consoles. In particular, the Xbox One, not so much the PS4. Now, obviously, Fox Sports Go has been available already on Apple TV, Chromecast, Roku, and Fire TV, but now you can add Xbox One to that list. And a couple of things. Um, as someone who consumes a lot of, of content, and I'm talking about, you know, I watch a fair amount of TV, and I, and I read just as much, and the thing for me is that cable television is fucking expensive, folks. And, you know, Slick and I have talked about this. I even, you know, we even went into it a little bit last week. But the fact is that as more and more providers are offering their, you know, their channels, their programming on an a la carte basis, before you know it, you're going to just end up being able to consume all your content just through whatever set top box you have. And the funny thing is that there's actually a hearing, um, you know, Congress was meeting on the necessity for the cable box rental fees. As a matter of fact, that was supposed to be discussed this week. And the legislation was that, you know, uh, cable cable providers, but if, if this legislation passes, would have to let consumers use whatever they opted to use if they chose to, if they choose to not use a cable set top box, meaning that your cable provider could release an app let's say for the Xbox one and the Xbox one could serve as your cable box and maybe even your DVR, depending obviously on how far they're willing to go. And the reason is because according to the statistics that were put out, which is fucking crazy, uh, cable companies. And I want to, I want to make sure I, uh, I want to, I want to explain this in its entirety because it was, um, it was crazy what I read. As I was saying, though, it's one of those things where you don't think about it because it's part of, obviously, it's part of the deal. So what's going to end up happening is, and uh, where are my notes for that? Last 24 hours. Ah, so originally the FCC was scheduled to meet on that with Congress, and obviously the vote was delayed because why wouldn't it be? But I want to explain. Uh, federal regulators delayed a decision, and this is from uh KTAR.com. They said federal regulators delayed a decision Thursday on requiring cable and satellite TV companies to make free apps to eliminate the need for cable boxes. Obviously, you know, lobbying is definitely a factor there. The article goes on to state that consumers could potentially save a few hundred dollars a year if they don't have to buy or rent a cable box and instead use apps for smart TVs or streaming gadgets they already have, such as Roku or Apple TV. The Federal Communications Commission also wanted to promote gadgets that would let people search easily for video from online services such as Netflix and YouTube and not just TV channels. The plan has drawn criticism from the TV industry, Hollywood studios, and dozens of lawmakers on issues including copyright and FCC authority. In the canceling of the scheduled vote Thursday, Chairman Tom Wheeler said commissioners ran out of time conveniently to discuss last-minute changes to the proposal 
but he stressed that he intends to get something done before the end of the year. The legislation needed three votes for approval. Um, Jessica Rosen Warsell, one of the Democratic commissioners whose vote Wheeler needs to pass the measure, has raised concerns about one aspect of it, that being that the FCC would need to oversee agreements between gadget makers and the TV industry. She has said that the FCC might not have the the authority to oversee such licensing agreements. Now, how is this relevant to video games? I will explain. So, on average, many of us have our cable providers, we have our cable boxes, we pay for equipment rentals, etc., etc., etc. When I used to be a Time Warner customer, I used to pay a rental fee. And, you know, my well, let me rephrase that. My mom used to pay a rental fee on the cable bill. And it used to be, I remember it used to be five bucks, then it was 10. I believe at the time it was 15 or some nonsense. And, you know, that adds up like anything else. 15 bucks a month for, for what's essentially just a router is not necessary. So after she passed, I was still on Time Warner for a little bit. And, I, you know, I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine and they were like, you know, you could just go buy your own router and be done with it. And you'll and you'll make the money back that you spent on the router in no time. So I ended up going and purchasing a Motorola router. And I believe I bought it on Black Friday, as a matter of fact, and I paid maybe 45 bucks for it. So in three months that I was paying $15 a month for a rental fee, I saved that in three months by purchasing my own router. Obviously, after purchasing my own router, I didn't worry as I didn't have to deal with as many drop connections, you know, typical nonsense. Obviously, now as a Verizon Files customer, it's a little different because, you know, your router is also tied to your cable box, et cetera, et cetera. And I got to be honest, uh, the Files routers are leaps and bounds better than Time Warner Cable. So, you know, obviously I pay the rental fee and it is what it is. But for those of you that are currently paying for cable and on your and, you know, also paying for Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus and you have, you know, Hulu and Netflix and, you know, Amazon Prime Video and maybe you got a couple of different, you know, streaming services. Plus, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you got a fire stick or two thrown in there for Amazon Prime Video. Plus, if you have an Apple TV, etc. At the end of the day. And this is something I've talked about. There is a lot of redundancy. An infant, in my case, I, I have redundancy at, at least in quadruple cases. And the reason is obviously not by not by choice. It's just the way it worked out. Obviously, you know, I have my cable box, PS3, Xbox 360, PS4, Xbox One. They all stream stuff. They all have all the shit I watch. HBO Go you know, Amazon Prime, Netflix. I have an Amazon Fire Stick because I have Amazon Prime. Use that. And that's what I mean. There's a lot of redundancy. Now, imagine that it all boils down to your cable provider releasing an app, maybe for your console of choice, or maybe for your streaming box of choice. And you're able to do what you already do with your cable box. And I'm not talking about the people that DVR totally different. I'm just talking about the people that just watch regular fucking cable. That's, you know, between 10 and $20 a month that you would save easily. But of course, conveniently enough, you know, the legislation that was, that was supposed to be uh, passed or discussed conveniently fell by the wayside. And that's because lobbying on top of the fact that the cable company 
makes a shit ton of money. I actually had an article from earlier today about how much money they're making. And I'm talking millions of dollars on rental fees alone. And by you forcing that legislation and allowing and telling cable providers that you have to create an app that you can use on your Apple TV or your Amazon Fire Stick or your Roku, think about it. Those are all one and done purchases. You go, you buy a Roku, whether it's the $60 one, the $100 one, you're, you're covered. Say you go and you buy a Fire Stick, same thing, $39.99. As a matter of fact, there's a new one, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. We actually wrote a post on it on RageWorks.net. It's going to have Alexa built in, voice control, and it's going to be a little bit more juiced up than the current Fire Stick, and it's still going to cost $39.99. Think about it. You're eliminating that monthly rental fee, which you're applying to a one-time purchase. Because most people that I know that have an Apple TV, unless they need something crazy, still have an original one. Uh, Same thing with people that have Roku on multiple televisions or multiple fire sticks in their house. It's, It's one of those things where if you have Amazon Prime or you have Netflix or any of that a la carte stuff, you're already ahead of the curve. And as a gamer, we already have set top boxes essentially in our consoles. And hell, even our consoles themselves are creating original content. I mean, Powers was available exclusively on the PlayStation console through PlayStation Plus. Again, original content. I was bothered by the fact that this legislation conveniently got pushed to the side because, again, we're talking about cable companies making millions of dollars for something that you may already own. And it's scary. It's really, it's really scary that, you know, people, people don't pay attention to that because it's just par for the course. As someone who, you know, is into technology, into, uh, you know, having a smart home, so to speak, I was, I was troubled. I was troubled when I saw that. I was like, yo, are you guys fucking kidding me? Like, this is a big deal. Like, think about it. Imagine just being able to turn on your PS4 or your Xbox One and that's your, that's your cable box. Maybe you want a DVR. So imagine you plug in an external hard drive into your PS4 or your Xbox One, you know, the, the, the programming is going to be encoded and boom, you're able to DVR one terabyte, two terabyte, three terabytes of, of programming with zero fuss. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy, man. I know we're not going to get a la carte from cable companies. Slick and I have discussed that on previous episodes. It's, it's something that's very far off, but if you already have a Netflix, a Hulu subscription, and you're paying for cable on top of the fact that you're paying for fucking equipment that can essentially be replaced by shit in your own house, it's a problem. But like anything else, people are getting paid off of it and nobody wants to lose the teat. You know, it's it's very easy to say, yeah, you know, we're going to discuss it. We're going to work on it. But it's we're talking, you know, five million, ten million dollars in in rental equipment fees that people don't need to fucking pay. And I'm sorry. I understand, you know, it's it's part of the business, but give me a fucking break. It's it's absurd is what it is. Because like I said, most of the shit is redundant. The Xbox 1 is essentially a fucking cable box at this point. So, if it was just a matter of turning on my console and being able to hit, you know, Files TV or Time Warner or whatever my provider is and boom, just being able to watch all my channels, it'd be fucking awesome. Or, you know, voice activated uh, you know, okay, Siri, I need, you know, 
will, reruns of Will and Grace, and it just goes and it does it if you're an Apple TV user, and boom, there it is. Or, hey, I want to watch Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, and it'll find it. Whatever the case may be, we have the tech at this point. Why are we paying for that shit? It's nonsense. In any case, I'm going to be watching this story very, very closely because, like I said, we have so much stuff already that can replace a a box. I'm not talking about replacing your cable. I'm just talking about replacing hardware, hardware. And like I said, if you are a cable subscriber that's not a Verizon-based cable user and you're paying an equipment fee for your router, see if you could just buy one. It's a couple of bucks extra you'll save per month. They're not going to support it, but it's a fucking router. Let's get serious. All right. That little, uh, that little diatribe is actually going to um, put the old cap on the gaming stuff for this week. Uh, there is some entertainment stuff I want to get into. Um, like I said, there's a couple of newsworthy items. The piece about the celebrities making residual income off uh, conventions is something that is of great interest. So let us switch gears and jump right into it, shall we? So, as many of you know, it's convention season here in New York City, with New York Comic Con around the corner, and as we've noticed over the last few years, and Slick and Danny can attest to this, uh, the celebrity presence at comic conventions, and I mean real celebrities, has increased year over year. And I say this because when when we used to go to Comic Con back in the day... Slick can attest to this. Yeah, you'd have some celebrities there, but it's going to be, you know, wrestling wrestlers, maybe some straight to video celebrities, maybe a couple of TV stars, not at the level that it is now where you got, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans and the cast of The Walking Dead and shit like that. We had to quote Slick. We had Virgil. We had Pete Rose. We had Ric Flair. We had... um you know, a girl that was straight to video sci-fi softcore porn, which was always interesting. Uh, you know, we'd we'd have crazy stuff. It wasn't at the level that it is now. Not that it's a bad thing, but um, exactly. Slick has a good one. Peter Mayhew out of the Chewbacca outfit. There were always certain guys that you were guaranteed to see at a convention. Lou Ferrigno, Pete Rose, Peter Mayhew. Uh, Vern Troyer over the last few years, uh, David Carradine, the late David Carradine and, um, you know, guys like Don, the dragon Wilson or Brian Boswell, you know what I mean? Like actors and celebrities in that niche. And now things have, have evolved quite a bit. Like I said, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, uh, Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, you know what I mean? As soon as movies come out, we're seeing these huge celebrities doing the convention circuit. Now, of course, there, there's obviously money to be made, but what I've noticed over the, the last few years is you'll get an entire cast of a movie or an entire cast of a show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's because obviously it's a business. But the thing is, personally, I never knew how big of a business it was. So 
Uh, the Hollywood Reporter and ComicBook.com both put out a piece in regards to this. And it, according to what it said, uh, the way it works, uh, according to ComicBook.com's piece, is that those that celebrities charge a minimum rate to appear at a convention like Wizard World, Walker Stalker Con, Salt Lake City Comic Con for the weekend. The convention, in turn, guarantees a flat rate bottoming out at about $5,000 for lesser celebrities, up to $300,000 for the weekend. So let's think about this. And I, and I want to put this out there. Say you're, I don't know, I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, say you're Norman Reedus. And Norman Reedus, pretty pretty well-regarded actor now, you know, with the success of The Walking Dead. Say he charges $10,000 to show up for one day. And they're like, you know, Norman, are you interested in doing two days, three days? Let's say he says, all right, I'll do the the the, the three days for $75,000. All right? $75,000, three days. The, the organizers agree that they're going to make that money back on celebrity photo ops, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what happens is you go to a convention, you pay all this money. And before you know it, most of that money is being is being applied toward paying these celebrities who are being paid a flat appearance fee. I mean, some of them are showing up, obviously, to promote stuff because studios are taking advantage of the convention crowds to build buzz. But, you know, one of the things that's crazy is that sometimes they're just going and they're showing up and they're being paid. And before you know it, that ticket that you paid fifty dollars for is now $80 or $100. And you're like, what the fuck? Why is it so much money? Well, you got to pay the the $10,000 appearance fee for XYZ celebrity that you may or may not see. Compound that with what you're paying for the photo op, the autograph, the merchandise. Before you know it, you've laid out all this money for nothing. So here's a good example. Um, Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, which they talk about in the article. It was a fan fest that, you know, Stephen Amell from Arrow is part owner. And he said, and I quote, if somebody wanted to do a convention every weekend, they could make more on the convention circuit than they do on a per episode basis for the show that they're in. Listen to this. Let me re- let me repeat that. If somebody wanted, and this is from Stephen Amell, who is on who is, who does Arrow and is the owner of partial owner of Heroes and Villains Fan Fest. If somebody wanted to do a convention every weekend, they could make more on the convention circuit than their episodic fee. That is fucking insane. Think about that. Think about Battlestar Galactica or um, I need a good sci-fi show that everybody loves that's no longer. Oh, Firefly. You know, you look at Firefly, you see those guys, they come in, they show up. People pay tons of money to take pictures with them and sign my merch and do this, do that. And these guys are making a fuckload of money and they haven't been on TV in like three years. It's insane. Buffy's a, Buffy is a great example, Slick. Thank you. Do you know how many times I've gone to a convention and, um, you know, guys like David Boreanaz, who, you know, he does Bones, but he'll go and, and you just see the line of people that want to get his photo, his autograph, etc. Think about it. David Boreanaz does Bones. Hasn't done Buffy in God knows how long. Still can go and get a line of 2,000 or 3,000 people deep 
James Marsters is another one. Thank you, Slick. You know, he played Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That guy goes to a convention. Hell, I think he was at a convention you and I were at, Slick. And um, super long line. Dude is, is, is making money hand over fist, not to mention the fact that, again, there's autograph fees, et cetera, et cetera. So let's, let's take an example. After conventions take about $5 per autograph and $10 per photo, the celebrity guest can walk away with as much as half a million dollars after a weekend at certain conventions. This is straight from the piece on comicbook.com. So let that sink in. You paid, you know, $25 for the autograph and, you know, maybe 20 bucks for the photo. You spent 50 bucks. The convention pockets five for the autograph, 10 for the photo. The rest go to the celebrity and they walk away with half a million dollars. It's, it's ridiculous. It is completely and utterly ridiculous that a celebrity can do a con and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of, you know, there's obviously it's, it's fair share of challenges between travel and everything else and people should be paid for their time. I totally get that. But the thing that drive that, that, that trips me out is the fact that you could walk away with half a million dollars that may be more than when you get paid to go on set and do a show. <laughs> it's fucking bananas, you know? It's it's insane. It really, really is insane. And then, um, you know, the piece went on to add that however conventions and their guests aren't the only ones benefiting from the comic conventions and fan festivals. Earlier this month, Walker Stalker Con hosted an event in Orlando, which rounded up several key cast members from AMC's The Walking Dead to raise funds for the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida City, which in the Florida City, which is, you know, it, it's it's. You know, that's pretty cool. You know, in less than eight hours, we raised almost a quarter of a million dollars for the one Orlando fund, says James Frazier, uh, Stephen Mel's partner at Heroes and Villains and the man behind Walker Stalker Con. Uh, Stephen left set at midnight on a red eye at his own expense to be in Orlando and assist in raising as much money as possible for the victims and their families. And you see, in a, in a situation like that, I feel that that's, you know, you can't you can't downplay contributions like that think about it you go you're at a convention your favorite celebrities there raising money for a cause a noble one might i add and you know you might be inclined to donate a couple of bucks here and there and it's not it's not a bad thing but it's just crazy because again and you know it's a cliched saying but i say it often one hand washes the other both wash the face you know a cele- a, a convention comes into town Everybody makes money. Hotels make money. Restaurants make money. The airport makes money. Everybody makes money. So you got to spread the wealth. In the case of celebrities, there's they're not only bringing people to the convention, but they're also making some extra coin on the side, which may or may not be applicable to what they make on set or on television. It's insane. And like I said, you got your regular convention guys. Guys like Lou Ferrigno who charge 20 bucks a photo and $25 an autograph. So, you know, you may be spending, you may be spending $45. Maybe they'll give you a discount for a whopping 40 bucks. And that guy, he'll go, he'll do 40 bucks and he'll get maybe a hundred people in an hour. That's $400 he made in an hour, just sitting there smiling, doing the thumbs up, signing old Hulk toys. And before you know it, you know, he's, he's cleared. Two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars out of it, maybe five, for for just sitting there, just hanging out. It's it's insane, you know. The um the heroes and villains fan fest, 
you know, which Amel, Stephen Amel and, you know, his partner James Frazier have been doing have been incredibly successful, but they've also been successful because they're giving people a different level of access to their favorite celebrities. I mean, when the blizzard happened here in, in, in New York and New Jersey and they were doing Heroes and Villains Fan Fest and people couldn't make it, a couple of things happened. First of all, obviously, they honored all the tickets for people later on when they did Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in New York once again. But the other thing is the celebrities that did make it into town, they um they did get in there and they hung out with the people that actually made it to the venue. There were people hanging out in the in, in the hotel bar and the and the restaurant with Stephen Amell, with John Barrowman. You know, they were snowed in, they were having a good time, they were hanging out. It was a different level of access to these celebrities. Not that it's right or it's wrong or that's always gonna be the case, but the level of access it's incredibly refreshing. It's incredibly comforting for a lot of fans. I mean, my, you know, my manager took his kids to Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, and he originally got the tickets because obviously the original Heroes and Villains Fan Fest um, got snowed out. And Stephen Amell was doing a panel, and my manager went there with his two sons, and his son actually got to go up and ask Stephen Amell a question about acting. And Stephen Amell gave him a great answer. And, you know, the 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 young man is is into he wants to be an actor. And it was it was cool. Like everything, everything that I was told about that event showed me that it's a different type of atmosphere. And that's part of it, too. I mean, you know, New York Comic Con is is busting its ass to be on par or surpass San Diego Comic Con. And to a point, I can understand why. That is obviously it's a huge influx of money for the city. It's a huge uh, opportunity for people to showcase a lot of their shows, their projects, their films. And obviously it's a good way for uh, comic fans and retailers to make their own fair share of money. I just never knew how deep it was um, in terms of celebrities getting paid. Um, it's 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 pretty insane. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be crazy. They're going to be like, oh, you know, it's fucked up. Blah, blah, blah. That celebrities are getting paid, but the article closed out with something very interesting. And, um, you know, three things I want to take from this piece. The first thing was they noted that Norman Reedus, who is a frequent convention headliner, uh, did a benefit ride hosted by the Georgia film industry. The event charged fans and fellow riders a fee to ride alongside Norman Reedus and Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Austin Emilio. And what they did was all the money that was raised at that event went to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Pretty fucking cool. I mean, if I'm paying money to do something like that, which is a great experience and the money's going to charity and it's going to good use, I'm all for it. I can't, you know, I'm not I'm not complaining. The whole pur- purpose of why I'm acknowledging this isn't because it's a gripe. It's just amazing how much money can be made by a celebrity and the fact that they can make more money than what they get paid in Hollywood. Uh, Andrew Lincoln, another person who cited in this article, he doesn't appear at conventions often, but when he does all the revenue that he earns, he donates entirely to charity. Again, you know, very noble, very cool to, to hear things like that. And it's true. You know, while, while people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, Oh, you know, fucking celebrities, they're getting paid, blah, blah, blah. Celebrities, you know, they, they got to pay for travel. They got to pay all this shit. And you know, they're paying for it with selfies and autographs. You know, it's, it is what it is. It's um, it's one of those things where it's it's a business. And I wanted to shed a little light on it because convention season's around the corner. And 
you know, it affects the bottom line. It affects what we spend and it affects what, you know, the convention makes and what the celebrities make. So there you have it. I figured I'd share that with you guys and give you guys a little insight uh, to get a, a deeper picture on it. I'm going to uh, make sure to include the link to the comicbook.com piece in the show notes for this week's episode. Now, a couple of other things I did want to get into first and foremost. Um, and this is crazy. This is this is really crazy. And it's pretty much a what the fuck news story. Um, Fruit Ninja. You guys know Fruit Ninja. It's a game that's on mobile devices. It's on your connect. Uh, they throw fruit in the air. You use your finger and you cut it up, right? Pretty mindless, pretty fun, pretty by the book. What if I told you that they are making a Fruit Ninja movie? I kid you not. The Hollywood Reporter reports that New Line Cinema has acquired the film rights to the mobile game and they're going to make it a live action family comedy. Fruit Ninja is considered the highest selling iOS game of all time with over a half uh, with over a billion downloads. Does it need a fucking movie? No. (laughs) Excuse me. No, it does not. Fruit Ninja does not need a fucking movie. You got away with it with Angry Birds because, again, the medium was was easily was easily gift wrapped for children. But really, a Fruit Ninja movie? Come the fuck on, Hollywood, for real. It's it's insane. In any case, the uh, the like I said, New Line acquired the rights for it. We'll see what they do. We did get Battleship Danny, which was complete garbage. Battleship was bad. Angry Birds was was okay. And I'll tell you why. Because like I said, Angry Birds had characters and things that you could package into a film and get away with it. I understand it. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, I, I you know, I disagree. Um, you know, it was, it's just it, like Angry Birds. I was I, with Angry Birds when it, when it was announced that it was a movie, I said to myself, that was inevitable. Because it is, you know, Angry Birds, the characters are kids friend are kid friendly. They they're funny. They look a certain way. You're able to market that you're able to make it into a tangible product, which you have. You know, you got toys, you got everything else. Fruit Ninja. What are you going to do? Sell fucking stuffed bananas and samurai swords. Are you kidding me? Oh, we're going to we're going to sell you. We're going to sell you plush watermelons that you can break in half if you chop them with your hand. Get the fuck out of here. Come on, man. Hollywood sometimes does utter bullshit, and this is one of them. Anyway, on the box office side of things, big shocker, the Magnificent Seven came in first place, earning $35 million. I did not get out to see the movie uh, that opening weekend, but I may see it this weekend. We'll see what happens. Um, Storks came in at number two. Sully came in at number three, earning $13.8 million, and it's already brought its total up to 92.5. Bridget Jones' baby took the number four slot. Snowden came in at number five. Blair Witch was number six. Don't Breathe was number seven with an additional $3.8 million, now officially up to $81.1 million. Suicide Squad came in at number eight. $3.1 $3.1 million, $318 million total. Wenda Bow Breaks was number nine, and Kubo and the Two Strings was number 10. So um, 
not a bad weekend at the box office. Like I said, I want to try and get it out to see the Magnificent Seven so I can review it. Keep it locked to RageWorks.net if I get out to do so. I'm a little bummed on the small screen side of things. Um, you know, I've talked on, on numerous episodes of MTR about the show The Strain, which is based on the comic book also. Uh, it's been doing a really, really great run on FX. The third season is currently going on. Uh, there's been an announcement that the upcoming fourth season will be the final season for the series. Um, currently, like I said, the show's in its third season. It's been doing really strong ratings on FX. And I was bummed to hear that the next season was going to be the last. But I have to say that there are certain programs that you watch that you may get one, two, three, four seasons. And sometimes that's all you need. And I'll be honest, while a part of me was bummed to hear that the next season of The Strain was going to be the final season, I understood it because I said to myself, maybe you can tell the story in the four seasons and you don't need to drag it out and then water down or ruin everything that you've, you know, that you've built. I know a lot of people that were fans of Dexter had that same opinion that Dexter went a little longer than it should have. And when they did it as far as they did, it ended up ruining, um, you know, people's opinion of the show. And a lot of people say that, you know, I watched up to X season and I was perfectly happy not watching it after that because it started to suck. I mean, we've all had those shows. We've all talked about them in, you know, in our in our own personal circles. I've mentioned shows on air that sometimes go a little longer than they should. Or maybe, you know, the seasons just get away from what the shows were originally about and they fall apart. So while I am bummed that the strain is coming to an end, I think that four seasons is enough to pretty much wrap everything up that they've established especially with what's been going on with this third season. On the big screen side of things, the Disney's continued success with live action interpretations of their you know of their animated classics uh will continue. We already know that they've done The Jungle Book which made a hell of a lot of money, Maleficent, Cinderella, and the upcoming Beauty and the Beast. Well, coming soon is reporting that Walt Disney Studios has greenlit a live-action version of The Lion King that Jon Favreau will direct. Uh, the, the Jungle Book made $965.8 million, so I am not shocked in the least. Uh, the Lion King, of course, if, you, if, if any of you that know me personally, will know that it's probably one of my favorite animated Disney films of all time. Uh, it originally came out in 1994, went on to earn $968.8 million worldwide, with four hundred and twenty-two point eight dollars coming in, up point eight million dollars coming in domestically. Uh, really excited about a po- a possible live-action Lion King. I actually saw the Jungle Book, and I gotta say that when I heard about it, I was not one hundred percent convinced that the the talking the live-action talking animals would look very good. And the reason I say this is because that stuff can either go really well. You know, like Aslan from, uh, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or it can go really, really terrible. And I was, I was concerned, especially because in a, in a story like The Jungle Book, you know, almost all the main characters are all animals. So, to to me, when I saw it, I went in expecting the worst, and I uh, the worst, and I walked in, I walked out really impressed with the work that Disney put in. I mean, obviously Disney's not going to let their properties get put through the ringer, but 
I feel that Disney has essentially created a brand new niche where they can do these live action versions of these iconic films. Before you know it, we may get a live action version of Ratatouille, which is another underrated Disney film that I'm a fan of. I think that would probably be one of those films that translates well to live action. I am I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with The Lion King. There's a lot of work that needs to be done because there's so many different layers and so many different animals. I mean, we're talking uh at least double the the amount of animals that were showcased in The Jungle Book and I'm, you know, because you obviously have the core Lion King characters, then you got some of the secondary characters, then you have Obviously, some of the tertiary ones, you know, the, the hyenas, et cetera, et cetera. I am um, I'm going to be watching this with much interest. I think um, it, it might be really good. So we'll see. I mean, like I said, Favreau hit a home run with the Jungle Book. So he, he, he can't do he can't do much worse than that. So we'll see what happens once I get additional details regarding casting, voice casting, release dates, et cetera. Keep it locked to MTR and Rageworks and we will have that information for you in some casting news a new cast member has joined the black panther cast and that is winston duke from person of interest he's been cast as umbaku which many of you may know from the black panther comics as man ape um umbaku is is a villain that wears the uh the skin of the white gorilla usually one of the more prevalent villains for black panther especially in a lot of the animated stuff um he joins you know, he joins Michael B. Jordan, who's playing Eric Killmonger, who is a villain also in the comic books. So I'm going to be curious to see if we're going to see uh, just Umbaku as the character himself, or are we actually going to see the man ape on screen? Again, uh, Black Panther hits theaters February 16th, 2018. Once I get additional information, and I'm sure there'll be pictures very soon, I will share that with you guys. So we talked about the Fruit Ninja film and the fact that that is completely and utterly ridiculous. But that's not the only piece of ridiculous what the fuck movie news for this week, ladies and gents. Uh, The other one is that the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Justin Lin, who did Fast and Furious, might I add, is going to direct a movie about Hot Wheels which honestly is what Fast and Furious is to begin with. But yes, Hot Wheels will be getting its own film. I kid you not. The Hot Wheels brand is considered the best-selling brand in the world with over 5 billion cars produced since 1968. Mattel makes 9 million cars a week and sells 10 cars every second. Don't get me wrong. Every kid has owned Hot Wheels in some capacity. I mean, I know people that still collect them, but do we need a Hot Wheels movie right up there with Fruit Ninja? Do we need it? And might I add, Fast and Furious is essentially a Hot Wheels movie. It really is, man. Like, even though Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, all that, yeah, they're, they're, they're the stars of the film, but people want, a lot of people enjoy the cars that get showcased in those movies. I personally, you know, the Fast and Furious movies to me are mindless entertainment. They they serve their purpose. And honestly, you know, I love seeing some of the cool ass cars that they showcase in those movies. I think they do a lot of great work in acquiring some really, really great vintage and high performance rides for those films. And it's, it's worth checking it out. But 
a Hot Wheels movie, how exactly are you going to pull that off? I'm being serious. I mean, I know that they've done Hot Wheels cartoons and television series, and they've been all right. You know, they've done what they they've done decent success. They've had decent successes, but really, a big screen version of Hot Wheels, yuck. <laughs> In some sad news, and I'm sure our very own Slick is going to be bummed about this. It's going to be time very soon to say goodbye to Jake the Dog, Finn the Human, and everyone else as Adventure Time will be ending after its ninth season in 2018. Adventure Time debuted on the Cartoon Network in 2010 and thus far has had over 230 episodes, 236, I believe, to be exact. Uh, Episodes will continue to air on the Cartoon Network in the next two years, including specials and miniseries, but it will be the end of Adventure Time with its ninth season in 2018. Um, I know a lot of people were very, very bummed about about reading that, and um, I can understand because it's funny that Adventure Time, for as childish as it looked, uh, brought a lot of amazing messages and stories to the table, and it's created a really passionate fan following. I mean, I've seen plenty of people just buying merch, wearing T-shirts, et cetera, et cetera, and, um, you know, I'm bummed to hear that it's going to be the end of the line for Adventure Time, but it will live on in syndication. Uh, Slick adds that they need to put the seasons on Blu-ray ASAP. Uh, he also added that Adventure Time's main plot is deep. So there you have it, guys. Definitely, um, you know, bummed out to read that, like I said, because I saw so many people that were unhappy and saddened by the news, but you got two years to enjoy it, so definitely show your support, buy the merch, watch the shows, and, uh, you know, throw all the support you can at Adventure Time as it winds down in 2018. All right. While we were on the subject of films that should be coming out on Blu-ray, which Slick mentioned with Adventure Time, I personally am excited to report that Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, will be arriving on Blu-ray October 25th. As many of you know, there's been numerous animated Street Fighter films. Uh, you had Street Fighter Alpha, which was okay. I mean, you know, I enjoyed it because I'm a big Akuma fan, and I got to see a lot of that in that film. But the original Street Fighter 2 animated film was tremendous. Uh, a lot of really great stuff. Um, you know, Chun-Li's fight with Vega, which obviously, you know, Chun-Li was nude, people like that, but it was definitely, you know, it, they actually integrated the characters correctly. They did a good job with them. Um, I, I personally like the fight between Ken Ryu against uh, M. Bison or Vega in that film at the end. I thought that was really dope. I've pretty much owned every version. I have the DVD version. I got two different VHS versions. I have a, an original bootleg Japanese version that I purchased at the um, Elizabeth Street Mall in Chinatown here in New York. Um, you know, they've done they've done a really good job with that film, and I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, being redone and remastered for Blu-ray. Best of all, the film is going to be completely uncut, It's and even though specs and supplements aren't available yet the film um is hitting stores october 25th with a suggested retail price of 29.95 obviously that will change upon release but definitely mark it down on your calendars if you are a street fighter fan so earlier in the segment i mentioned that suicide squad has made a fuckload of money and the crazy thing is that box office mojo reported that Suicide Squad knocked Marvel's Iron Man out of the 50th spot 
for 50 highest grossing domestic movies of all time. Now, I'm not talking about box office in general. I'm talking about domestic numbers only. The number 50 slot was held by Iron Man and Suicide Squad knocked Iron Man out of that slot. So whether you love or hate David Ayer's interpretation of DC Suicide Squad, they have the box office numbers to justify uh, the success that the film had. And they can pretty much, uh, you know, they can stand on, on a podium and say, hey, we knocked my Iron Man off the fucking top 50 list. So fuck you guys. So, you know, it was it was interesting to me because, you know, I saw Suicide Squad. I had my reservations, my gripes. Obviously, you can read the review on RageWorks.net. But um, I understand. I understood the long game. I understood what they were trying to accomplish. Was it right? Was it wrong? You know, you you can ask 10 different people. You're going to get 10 different responses. Me personally, there were elements of it that I liked, but it wasn't it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my favorite fucking movie, but it was it was passable, you know? Slick says not a huge accolade considering it is a team movie, but props for making paper. That's exactly it. I'm talking about the fact that, you know, this movie came came out was for the most part viewed negatively and has gone on to make a shit ton of money to the point where it, you know, broke a domestic box office record. Love it or hate it. You got it. You got to respect the gangster of that film, you know, simple as that. So the last bit of entertainment news I wanted to wrap up on was the controversy going around uh, with regards to Wonder Woman. As many of you that have been reading comic books have wondered, um, you know, with the current DC Universe rebirth story arc in progress and a lot of stuff being changed, retconned and cleaned up, uh, certain things obviously got fleshed out and looked really good. And then other things were changed, some for the sake of just you know, clarity others for the sake of just modernizing certain characters. But one of the things that picked up a lot of steam this week was an interesting piece about Wonder Woman. And um, Greg Rucka, who has worked on Wonder Woman, went on record saying that Wonder Woman has been in love and has had relationships with other women. So, of course, once that gets out, everybody's like, oh, that's fucking crazy, blah, blah, blah. How the fuck is that possible? It's bullshit. Wonder Woman always had, you know, always always had relationships with Steve Trevor, blah, 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 blah. Couple of things. First of all, Wonder Woman, the first man that she interacted with was Steve Trevor. And he met Wonder Woman when she was an adult. It's an island completely full of women. Translation, no men. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? It's not going to change anything about the character whatsoever. And I'm being serious. You know, Wonder Woman is a warrior. She kicks ass and she lived on an island full of women. What the fuck do you think? And again, I understand that people are going to they're, they're going to be annoyed. They're going to be shocked. But realistically, she re- she lived on an island full of women. And the first man that she met was Steve Trevor. And everything that has gone on since was re- was post Steve Trevor. She's had relationships with Superman. She's had relationships with Batman, Steve Trevor. What the fuck does it matter? And I'm being serious. I, you know, people are like, oh, you know, they're doing it because it's trendy and they're doing it for the agenda. Who gives a shit? I'm being serious. As long as I've read Wonder Woman comics, Wonder Woman's always been a badass. 
And it never, it never was a question of whether she liked girls or guys. Nobody cared because she fucked people up. She was a warrior. She stabbed people. She'd fucking kill people. That's especially over the last few years. They've made her completely a vicious badass. If you've watched some of the animated DC films, you'll see that it just, it's, it's stupid. It really is. I mean, I understand why it definitely comes out as, as a shocker, but you know, Greg Rucka said it. He goes, it's complicated. And he says, you know, they're Amazon. You know, it's not as easy as saying, oh, look, they're Amazons and they're gay. It's true. It's not exactly that simple. He said the concept doesn't exist because it's an island full of women. It's all they've ever known. It's, it's, it's so crazy. And, and not, and not, and not necessarily crazy in the sense that it's, it's being acknowledged now. But just the vitriol and the things that I've seen on the internet. Oh, you know, Wonder Woman was a role model to my child. Who ca- Who cares? Wonder Woman's not running butt-ass naked, bumping donuts with anybody in a comic book. But it, especially in recent books, you they they allude to it. They've alluded to certain things in the comics. I mean, there's a panel where obviously she's shadowed, but she's coming out of a pool. And the other Amazons are talking about her and they, they, they were talking about relationships between her and women. Come on. Who cares? I, you know, this bothers me not because, like I said, of it being newsworthy or, or 17 different websites talking about it. It bothers me because people automatically go back to the baser instincts. Oh, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. I've said it before. My mom was a career foster parent and I've known both two, two, you know, children that have had two male parents, two female parents from foster care that were raised right, that were raised to be some, some pretty upstanding fucking citizens. And it didn't matter. Really didn't. At the end of the day, prejudice, racism, bigotry, all of that shit. You're not born with that. You are taught that. Simple as that. You know, you tell a five year old kid that his his favorite friend has two moms. He'd probably think it's cool that he has two moms. It doesn't matter. But you go home. That kid says, you know, my little buddy, my buddy, Timmy, he has two moms. Oh, my God. You can't play with Timmy anymore. It's terrible. Get the fuck out of here. Stay in your lane. Enjoy your comic books. Don't get bent out of shape about shit. That's not serious. I'm, 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 I'm dead ass. I'm, I'm 100% dead ass with that. It's a comic book. It's an island full of women. Do the math. I'm serious. There's been enough fan fiction and, and you know, hentai drawings on the internet of Wonder Woman and the Amazons on, 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 the, on, on their island. We've seen it. We've all seen it, whether it's 4chan or whatever the case may be. We've seen it. It's existed already. So for people to be bent out of shape about it boggles my mind. It really does. But what can you do? In any case, uh, that's uh, I'm going to get the hell off my <laughs> I'm going to get off my soapbox. Um, you know, Slick mentions Poison Ivy in the chat. And I got to say that Poison Ivy, they've always alluded to her kind of having a relationship with Harley in the comics on more than one occasion. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it being done to sell books? Who cares? No, I, I, I know what you mean, but I'm just saying from the perspective of 
obviously, depending on which books the kids are reading, because there's certain books where Harley's just regular. There are some that that's the case. Don't misunderstand. But yes, I know that they are. They are uh, involved and they have been involved in numerous books. But, um, you know, it's it's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy that people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe who cares? Who fucking cares? It's not being depicted in comic books. And if it is, it's being done in in, you know, respectable fashion. Get over yourselves, people. I'm serious. Do the math. Island full of women since birth. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, I think that'll be a good way to close things out. Uh, That is the end of this week's entertainment segment. And it is the end of this week's episode of My Take Radio. So with that, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment. As always, I'd love to hear yours. If you're on social media, on Twitter, you can find us at My Take Radio or at Rage underscore Works. If you're on Facebook, you've got a couple of different ways to go about it. First, you can go facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks and become a fan if you haven't already. And you can also join the RageWorks group on Facebook as well. Interact with myself, Slick, and the rest of the RageWorks team, as well as the hosts of some of our other shows, including Ben and Taylor from Black is the New Black, Jay Santi from TRSS, Josie's Boy from Call Me When It's Over. Uh, you can interact with all of them on the Facebook group page last but not least you can also find us on pinterest instagram RageWorks on instagram you can also find us on uh, google plus which actually still gets traffic and we have a couple of boards on pinterest where we pin cool shit feel free to check it out if you are a pinterest user and look for us there become a fan last but not least this episode of my take radio will be available for consumption in both podcast and video format uh, for podcast format, you'll be able to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video format, you can find us on our official YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. I do have one thing to ask if you guys would be so kind. Um, if you're getting the show through iTunes, please take a moment and give us a review. We would really appreciate it. Helps us get onto the iTunes top 10 list and also helps us get noticed. It's not just for myself, for MTR, but also for Black is the New Black or TRSS or Call Me When It's Over. Please take a moment, rate the shows, share your thoughts on it. We would really, really appreciate it. Like I said, it helps us move up the rankings. It's 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 going to help us get noticed, crack the iTunes top 10. And like I said, we'd really, really, really appreciate it. So take a moment. If you like the show, you know, five stars, we'd appreciate it. If you want to give one star, hell, maybe I didn't bring it that episode or I didn't bring it the way that you were hoping. Hey, it is what it is, freedom of choice, but just take a moment, rate the show. We would really, really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. I will see you guys next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern. Well, let me rephrase that at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific for the MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio and join us Thursday, of course, for gaming and entertainment. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the RageWorks fam, thank you guys for joining us this week. I will see you guys later. Peace. I'm rich, bitch! That's all, folks.